This week is Easter, and in today's episode, I'm going to talk about the Passover meal Jesus had with his disciples and a message he has for the church. We're going to ask the question, is it time we started church again? Last Sunday for our family worship time, since churches are no longer a thing, I'm going to get to that a little later on, but anyway, for our family worship time, we watched the movie Before the Wrath. I'm going to put a link to it in the show notes if you're interested. What I'm going to be sharing today is what I learned from this film. It's amazing and really brings the Bible to life. Early of last year, an archaeology dig in Israel discovered roads in Jerusalem that dated back to the King David, the same roads that Jesus would have walked on. There were other discoveries as well, and some discoveries were scrolls that explained the customs of the Galilean wedding. This is how a wedding would have happened in Galilee. At the city gates, two men, two fathers would meet, and with one father, a young man, and with the other father, a young woman. The young man was about to ask the young woman to be his bride. The people in the city would hear this was happening, and they would leave what they were doing and hurry to the city gate to watch. The father of the groom would read a covenant the groom had for his bride. The bride would then say if she agreed. Then something really cool would happen. The groom would take a jug and pour wine into a cup. He would then drink from the cup. Then he would hand the cup to the young lady. At this point, while the crowd watched, all eyes on the young lady, everything was up to her. She could drink from the cup and seal the marriage, or she could reject the cup. As the young bride drinks from the cup, the crowd cheers. She hands the cup back to the groom, and the groom says these words, I will not drink from this cup again until I drink it with you in my father's house. The couple is then officially betrothed, but they separate for an unknown amount of time. The groom has a job. He's going to return to his father's house, and build an addition to the home where he will live with his bride, and where the wedding will be celebrated. He goes to prepare a place for his bride, that where he is, she will be with him. The bride also has a job. She has to keep herself pure, and she must make herself a white dress for the wedding. Every day she has to be prepared for her wedding, because she doesn't know the day or the hour of her own wedding. In fact, even the groom doesn't know when the wedding's going to be. It's up to the father of the groom. Once the groom has finished building his home for his bride and has the wedding feast prepared, he has his father inspect the home and the wedding feast. Then he has to wait until the time his father says to him, go get your bride. The groom has his friends with him, waiting also. Usually this would happen at night or in the early morning. The groom would run into the streets with his friends and blow a horn. He would blow this horn as a way to announce his wedding feast. The bride and her bridesmaids would hear and would quickly alight their lamps they have kept prepared full of oil, then enter the streets dressed in white. The groom's friends would then take a chair and the bride would sit in the chair. She would be lifted up and carried to the place the groom had prepared for her. The bride, groom, and any other guests who were ready and who heard the trumpet would all come and enter the wedding feast. The door was then shut, and no one could enter. The groom and bride would celebrate for seven days, and then the groom would present his bride to the world. 
Jesus would have seen many of these weddings. In fact, his first ever miracle was at a Galilean wedding. Most of his disciples were also from Galilee and would have seen these weddings. In John chapter 14, we read these words from Jesus. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go you know, and the way you know. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going, and how can we know the way? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. In Matthew chapter 24, the disciples are asking Jesus for a sign of the end of the ages. We will read a little bit of that chapter later. However, in the next chapter, Jesus says this, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. No one knows about the day or the hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. As in the days of Noah, so also will be the coming of the Son of Man. In chapter 25, he tells this story. At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins, who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps, but they didn't take along any extra oil. But the wise ones took oil and flasks along with their lamps. When the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, the cry rang out, Here is the bridegroom, come out to meet him. When the virgins woke and trimmed their lamps, the foolish ones said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, our lamps are going out. No, said the wise ones, or there won't be enough for both of us. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourself. But while they were on their way to buy it, the bridegroom arrived. Those who were ready went with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later, the other virgins arrived. Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he replied, Truly I tell you, I don't know you. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know the day or the hour. During the last supper Jesus had with his disciples, we read about this. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, spoke a blessing, and broke it. He gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup, gave thanks, and gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until the day when I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Have you seen what is happening yet? Jesus said he would leave and prepare a place for us, that where he is, there we will be also. He warned us to be ready, because no one knows the day or the hour except his Father. And when he drank from the cup, it was a new covenant. And he said he would not drink from it again until he drank it again with his church in his Father's home. And then, after that, he went to pray and get strength for what he was about to go through. He was taken, betrayed by one of his closest friends, abandoned by the rest of his friends. He was beaten, whipped, laughed at, and then brought before a crowd where they would choose who would live among them, a killer and thief, or Jesus, the one they had tried to make their king just a few days earlier. The people he had fed, healed, taught, loved, served, 
turned on him and demanded that the criminal be released and Jesus be crucified. He was then taken through the city, out the gate, up the hill, and nailed to the cross. And alone on the cross, he asked God to forgive them because they did not know what they were doing. And he showed love to the criminals being killed alongside with him. And the one that asked for forgiveness, he forgave him and told him he would be in heaven with him. The first member of our church, a criminal, dying alongside Jesus. There, on the cross, something else happened. Something the people did not see. The guilt of every sin they had ever committed or would commit went on Jesus. And although I would not be born for almost 2,000 years, the guilt of every sin I have ever done went on to Jesus. And the guilt of every sin you have ever done went on to Jesus. And then Jesus said, It is finished. And he died. There was an earthquake. And even though it was the middle of the day, everything went dark. He was taken off the cross. But instead of his body being thrown into a mass grave, as the bodies of prisoners would normally be taken, he was taken and placed in the tomb of one of his followers. And hope was dead. And it looked as if Satan had won. His tomb was sealed with a large stone, and then a seal by the government, and then guarded with soldiers, all to make sure no one stole his body to say that he had risen again. But, but, on the morning of the third day, Jesus showed he is God. The earth shook, the guards passed out in fear, and then once they awoke, they fled. The great stone rolled away all on its own. Jesus, more powerful than Roman guards, more powerful than a mighty stone, more powerful than a Roman degree, and more powerful than death. Jesus arose, and he first spoke to Mary, then two men walking along the road talking about what had just happened, then his disciples, then many of his followers. Then, with hundreds of his followers around him, he told them he would return the same way he left. And he rose into heaven with them all watching. Jesus is the groom and we are his bride. He drank from the cup and he offers it to us. If you're not a Christian, that cup is handed to you right now. And what will you do with it? Will you take it? Will you be his cup? Will you be his bride? Will you prepare yourself for his return? To do that is so simple. It's simply to tell God that you're sorry for your sins. Thank him that he died and rose again for you, that he took the punishment for your sin. And with your mouth, loudly, out loud, confess that Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you will be saved. If you are a Christian, are you still waiting? Are you still preparing? Are you still keeping yourself pure? Are you excited the way a bride is excited about her wedding day? Because the wedding is coming. The book of Daniel in the Old Testament and the book of Revelation in the New Testament talks about this wedding. A trumpet will signal that it is time. And then the bride, the church, will be lifted in the air and taken away to be in the place Jesus has prepared for us. We will be with him for seven years away from the world while God lays out his wrath on the earth for the sins of men. 
as the bride, we are saved from the wrath of God. We are with him for those seven years. And then he will return again to earth and there will be a new heaven and a new earth and we will reign with him as his bride. Let me read a passage from Matthew 24, the passage I said we would get back to. As Jesus left the temple and was walking away, his disciples came to him to point out the buildings. Do you see all these things? He replied, truly I tell you, not one stone here will be left on another. Every one will be thrown down. I'm going to pause here and say that exact thing happened in the year 70 AD. And the disciples that Jesus was talking to would have been able to witness that happen. And then it continues. While Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell me, they said, when will all these things happen? And what will be the sign of your coming at the end of the age? Jesus answered, See to it that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, claiming I am the Christ, and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. These things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nations will rise against nations, kingdoms against kingdoms. There will be famines, earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of birth pains. And then they will deliver you over to be persecuted and killed. You'll be hated by all nations because of my name. At that time, many will fall away and will betray and hate one another. And many false prophets will arise and mislead many. Because of the multitude of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But the one who perseveres to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. When I look through this, I see the church history. And if you don't know church history, I have a podcast about church history, but we can see each one of these things has happened over the years as we've been waiting. But right now, church, I ask if we have forgotten that we are the bride of Christ. I don't see excitement for the return of Jesus. 30% of the Bible is prophecy of end times, but the church is silent on this. We're not only not excited, we're silent on the matter. Even worse, those who are excited are laughed at or ridiculed by the church. Once I told a pastor that I was excited about Jesus' return and that I could see things lining up to fulfill the prophecy, He told me every generation has thought Jesus would return in their lifetime. It doesn't mean anything. He was so condescending that I felt foolish for being excited. But those of us who are waiting and excited are not foolish. We are brides waiting for the day when our groom will come for us. This leads me to where we are as a church right now. You know, every year I talk about the persecuted church around the world and I warn That someday, even here in the West, there's going to come a time when we have to choose to follow God or man. What if that time is now? Across the entire world, churches have been ordered to close down, except Texas, last time I checked. But we've been told the church is non-essential and has to close. So we've taken the church online. But the question we have to ask ourselves, can the church be online? I've been posting videos and podcasts on Bible studies from my website for years. Was I a church at this time? No, I don't believe I was. 
And no, I don't think we're doing church right now. Do I believe the church is a building? No, I don't believe the church is a building. But the church is people meeting together. The church is people having communion together. The church is people being publicly baptized. I want to say, first of all, I do believe there is a virus. And I do believe people are dying from that virus. There have been plagues all through history. Has the church ever shut down during one of those plagues? These plagues are horrible. And we need to pray that God's will is done in all of this. But do we abandon the church? Look, I can understand closing church for a week. You know, maybe there's a really bad snowstorm, so we close down church for that week. Or maybe even if we had closed for just the two weeks that the government originally said we were going to be closed for. But we've now gone almost a month without meeting together, without taking communion together. And that is not church. And there's no end in sight. We're looking at months, maybe even a year. At some point, the church, and I'm not talking about the corporate North American idea of church, but the bride of Christ is going to have some choices to make. Are we going to obey God or man? Do we start meeting in small groups and homes as the early church did? Breaking bread together? Reading the Bible together? Sharing our supplies again? I personally believe Jesus is going to return soon and his church needs to be ready. In my next episode, I'm going to be talking about all of the things that are lining up for the end times. We're going to go through some of the things from the book of Daniel and the book of Revelation, and we're going to show how things that seemed impossible just a month ago are now completely possible and could happen even just this year. That will be in my next episode, but I'm going to end today with a prayer for this Easter time. God, you are Elohim, the mighty one, the one and only true God. We live in a world where so many gods are worshipped and our society has raised these false gods to be your equal. But we know you are Elohim, the one mighty true God. You are Yahweh, the great I am. You are El Enyan, the most high God. You are El Shaddai, the powerful one that we can run to. You are Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals us. Thank you, God, for the years you have given us to freely worship you and to share your truth freely and openly. And although we've had this freedom given to us by you, we have not always used it not like we should have. We have been afraid of being laughed at, afraid of being ridiculed. We've looked for acceptance and love from the culture around us instead of looking to you for what we need. We've abandoned parts of the Bible that made us uncomfortable and have not taught this generation the prophecies that you gave us. We confess these sins. We confess we have not been the bride anxiously awaiting your return. Please, God, open our hearts and pour out your spirit in a way we have not experienced before. Burn in our hearts. Light the fire again. Make us ready and excited for your return. Today, I pray for the healing of those who are sick. Please do not give us what we deserve, but show us your grace and power at this time in a way that everyone will see 
It can only have come from you. And if this is not the time of your return, bring to light and expose all of those who were in the darkness planning and doing evil. Bring every evil work and every evil plan into the light to be exposed. If this is not the time of your return and the church must decide to do what you have commanded us to do, then give us wisdom and strength and guide us to do the right thing. And if this is the time of your return, come quickly, Lord Jesus. We are waiting. We are ready.